Back when I was a kid, back when I was a kid in the sixth grade, I had a bicycle and it had a banana seat in the back. Those of you who are old enough to know what I'm talking about, you know, the banana seat. And it had the handlebars that went up and curved in. And I took an American flag and I taped it to the left side. And I took an Indiana state flag and I taped it to the right side. And I would get on my bicycle and I would pedal as fast as I could with the flags fluttering because I wanted to be the president of the United States. I did in sixth grade. Did any of you ever want to be the president of the United States? No. Well, back then, Jimmy Carter was president and everybody thought they would make a better president. So kind of, you know, it was just... Everybody thought, man, I can do better than that. And so I wanted, and I wanted to be president because I wanted to do something significant. And I think it's because part of me felt small. I was short. I was a small guy anyway. And I wanted to do something big. I wanted to be something big. And I still want to know that in my life. And so do you. It's why it bothers us when a friend forgets to call back. It's why it bothers us when teachers forget our name. It's why we crave attention from our spouse or our boyfriend or girlfriend because when we're in that love moment and they think we hung the moon, it just feeds that, I matter, I'm important, I matter, I'm important. Um, It's why we seek the affirmation of our boss. It's why we will drop the names of important people that we know in conversation. Well, you know, when Governor Bashir and I were talking the other day, you know, have you ever been around people, maybe those of you that work at UK, and they slip in that they were talking to the dean yesterday, you know, the dean and I, whoo, we're, you know, close pals. <laughs> or, they, or they make the Facebook post, you know, where they're posting that fact or whatnot. Okay, you know these people. Um, it's why we put implants in our breasts. It's why we whiten our teeth. We do these things because we want to know that we're matter. We want to know that people notice us. Because we're afraid on the inside, and this is the biggest fear that humans have, I really believe, we're afraid on the inside that nobody really does notice or nobody does care. This plays out all the time, by the way, on Facebook. Despite the fact that sociologists will tell you, you can only really know 100 people sort of well at any given time in your life, isn't it true that you just feel better if you have more friends on Facebook? I mean, I always wonder about the people that have like 3,000 friends. I mean, if you were to spend a day with each friend, how many years is that? That's like, you know, a decade right there, just going through your friend list on Facebook. It's crazy. When our wall goes empty, that fear on the inside starts to get activated. Nobody notices. Nobody cares. Nobody knows. I'm, I'm small. Or when we make a post on Facebook and then nobody likes it or comments, doesn't that, that fear gets activated a little bit? Nobody, nobody cares. They all post on Isaiah's when he put, you know, nobody posts on mine, okay? And that fear gets activated and we do the comparison game. That, it's why people will drop out of sports teams or organizations or even churches. I carried the equipment down to the field every Saturday morning and they didn't even notice or I was gone three weeks and nobody noticed and those things play out the, The irony is that often it's not that people didn't notice, but they were too busy worrying about themselves (laughs) to really comment about your absence or whatnot. And so uh, my dad would always tell me, son, this is what he would say, son, people are too busy worrying about themselves to notice you. And I first got that speech when I had a really bad breakout on my forehead. I just had the pimple of doom right there. I looked like I was Hindu. 
and I did not want to go to school the next day. And I got the, son, people are too busy worrying about themselves. Nobody will notice. Well, of course, I go to school and, you know, ah! they point, they scream, dude, what's that on your forehead? I think the larger truth of what my dad was after is actually true. But in that moment, I was like, liar! Okay? True, true or not, true or not, that fear on the inside is hard to ignore when it's, you know, roaring a little bit. That fear of nobody notices, nobody cares, God doesn't notice, God doesn't care, I'm small, I'm nobody. You ever feel that way? Of course you do. If you're human, you feel that way. And today, I want to speak to that fear. In fact, between now and the end of the calendar year, uh, I want to divert over uh, what I had planned to do, and I want to just talk about basic fears that we have, and I want you and me to experience some measure of freedom from fear. If you think about it, we live in a very fearful time. The economy is not getting better, or is it getting better? I don't know. Is it, you know <laughs> will I ever be able to sell my home, or anyone's home for that matter? Will we start giving away homes for free, like you know, buy a second cup of lemonade, get a house? <laughs> we'll throw in this, you know, it could get that bad, right? And then, then there's the whole terrorism, you know, and, and the thing that plays out with that and getting on a plane and traveling. And, and it's just a very fearful time. And it kind of amplifies what I call the everyday normal fears that we have to face every day, which is, is this person still going to love me in five years from now? Or am I getting fat? Or, you know, will my kids turn out okay? Or all these things that we kind of, <gasps> you know, choke over or, or worry about. And, and so it's a time of great fear, and I want to speak to that, and I think God has a lot to say that would set you and I free from fear. But today, I want to address the fear that says to you and that says to me, nobody notices, nobody cares, I'm small, I'm nobody. Yes, you do matter, and yes, God does notice, and Jesus speaks right to that fear in a passage from Matthew, and that's where I want to spend some time today. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and we're going to be in verses 29, 30, and 31. Just three little verses. God sees, God notices, and God cares. This passage from Matthew 10 is part of a larger section on what it means to be a disciple who's sent out on mission. And for the first few verses of chapter 10, Jesus gives them instruction on the mission and then he warns them and he says, now wait a minute, people aren't treating me so well and they're not going to treat you so well. If you go in my name and if you do what I did and are doing, they're not going to treat you well either. And then in the last section of chapter 10, he kind of talks about how to handle that, how to handle it when things get tough out on there on mission, how to handle it when you're persecuted, how to handle it when you know, people are saying things and leveraging things, and you have these great fears. And in the face of that persecution, he says, don't worry, don't be afraid. And the third reason he gives is that God cares for you and watches over you. And that's the section we're going to be in, verse 29. He says this, what is the price of two sparrows? Uh, one copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And then the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're far more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The copper coin he's talking about there was the, one of the smallest coins in circulation at the time. Any laborer could earn one of those with an hour's worth of work. 
So work an hour, you can buy two birds. Here's the funny thing. If you have two coins, you don't just get four birds. Do you know how many you get? Five. They throw in the fifth one for free. That's how cheap birds are. I mean, who would have thought? You know, buy second, you know, it's buy four, get one free. It's just amazing. As a pastor and as just a person, you know, making my own journey through life, it's my perspective that there are a lot of us who feel like fifth sparrows. We feel like, and, and fifth sparrows work in cubicles, they drive in carpools, they're nursing, they're students, but they have that sense gnawing on the inside. God may care for everybody else, but he doesn't mean God, God's not watching out for me, God's not for me. And so uh, Jesus speaks to that specific fear right here in this passage. Um, and he says, uh, wait a minute, I want to make sure I get it right. Oh, my page turned. No wonder I can't get it right. Uh, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing. He's drawing an analogy from lesser to greater, just like we talked about last week. And the hairs numbered on a head. You'll color your hair, won't you? You'll cut it. You'll dye it. Sometimes you'll even shave it off. Do you know how many hair follicles you have, really? Have you ever, does your husband know? No, he doesn't even know your birthday. Come on. Right? <laughs> He's not going to know how many hairs are numbered on your head, or let alone when your first date was, okay? You know, but what Jesus is telling us here is that the smallest, smallest, minute detail of who you are and your circumstances, God is aware of that. God cares that much for you. And then verse 31 is what I call the kaboom of the passage. So, he draws the conclusion, don't be afraid, you are far more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. God sees, God notices, God cares. Jesus takes our fears very seriously. He does. I, I, Max Locato made me aware of this. That's another Max. Jesus makes 125 commands in the Gospels. 125 times he says, do this or don't do that. Those are commands. Of those 125 times, 21, to, 21 of them have to do with this. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. It's going to be okay. I'm here. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. 21 times. I want to cover some of these, and I'm going to have them throw these up on the screen. So let's get going with the first one. 20, 125 commands, 21 of them urging us not to be afraid. And these are, these are, this is right out of Jesus' mouth. So don't be afraid. You are worth much more than many sparrows. Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough. Don't be afraid. Just believe, and your daughter will be well. Take courage. I'm here. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Don't be troubled or afraid. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. 
Why? For God has not given us a spirit of... God has not given us a spirit of... When you wake up in the morning and you find yourself fearful, know that God did not give that to you. When you're driving to work or school and you're fretting over the circumstances, the bills, the fact that your daughter or your son's not on track where they need to be with math or whatever it is, God did not give you that spirit of fear. When you're fretting about, oh, do I, are my friends really my friends? Can I count on that? I mean, all those things, God did not give you a spirit of fear. The spirit that God gives is the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him the comforter, the advocate. And if you ever want to, if you're, if you're ever thinking, well, gosh, I'm not sure I understand the spirit, here's a real simple thing. The spirit's stance toward you is Jesus' stance toward you. If you want to know what the spirit would do in a given circumstance, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And there you go. Because the spirit and Jesus operate in the same way, with the same values, and the same mission. All right? Um, I want to, uh, let me ask you a question in light of these passages. Do you ever feel like you don't matter to God? Does that ever come up, ever? And if so, why? Why do you feel that way? Is it because you think, well, you know, there's the list of sins and, you know, da-da-da-da. Is it because if you were just smarter, if it's because you prayed more? I mean, is it a performance thing? Is it a you thing? I mean, what, why? And why is it that it's so hard to accept what God says he thinks about you in the Bible? Do you ever feel like you don't matter to God? If that's you, I want to give you some homework today. And this is practical. This is the practical part. Homework assignment number one. I, I will pray this from time to time. God, please give me eyes to see myself the way you see me as my heavenly father. Now that I'm a parent and I have three kids, there are moments like where Bill, Bill Cosby says, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> I was worried about Maddie the other day because she wants MacGyver for her birthday. It's just not right, okay? But, but I love all three of them. I would cut off my right arm for them. And if as an evil, wicked man, that's my love for my own children, God's love for me is much, much, infinitely better. And so uh, homework assignment number one is to pray that prayer. God, give me eyes to see myself the way you see me as my heavenly Father, and God will do that. Secondly, uh, read Psalm 139, and, and as you're reading through one, Psalm 139, I want you to answer this question. What are God's thoughts toward me that are revealed in this psalm? What does God have to say about me in this psalm, Psalm 139? And then lastly, uh, make, be intentional about getting in covenant community with others, brushing alongside other people regularly and consistently, and here's why. Uh, and when I say other people, I don't just mean anybody from the street, but I mean a brother and sister in Christ, another believer. And here's why being brushing up against other believers is important. It's in that context of community where oftentimes we receive and hear God's love and care and concern for us best when someone else verbalizes it, when someone else listens when someone else is saying, you know what, you're okay, that's okay. I mean, and so community is an important ingredient in this homework assignment. Here's why this is important. The lie that I'm nobody, the lie that I'm small, the lie that I don't matter 
if you own it long enough and you isolate yourself and you don't want to hear what God has to say, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy, won't it? It's like the kid who does the thing, I'm never going to make this shot. I can't make this shot. I can't make this shot. I'm just not going to make this shot. I can't make this shot. Self-fulfilling prophecy. The person that says, I'll never make a difference. I just, God can't use me. God won't use me. God can't use me. God won't use me. I can never make a difference, not me. Self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like the young man who has a dream that he's going to become this amazing architect. And when he draws drawings, all of his friends, all of his people are like, oh my goodness, I've never seen that. It's just an amazing. Goes through school. His profs say the same thing, but he fails to get the internship at the right moment. Somebody else gets it. And he's, he's working at a job he doesn't want to be at. And, and an opening comes up at an architectural firm. Oh, you should so do that, Gary. You should so apply. That is so you. And, and he, he picks, every time he picks up the phone, ah, they're not going to want me. They're not going to, I'm not that good. I'm, I'm nobody. I'm, and so he doesn't. It's self-fulfilling prophecy. The opportunity comes, the opportunity goes. It's like the young woman who says, um, she, she goes out on a date and it's Prince Charming. And in her mind, this guy is so out of my league. He's so everything. I mean, he's got his act together and whatnot. And after the first date, she goes in and she gives herself completely to him because she's worried. She's afraid. If I don't, he won't. He'll walk away. He'll leave me. He won't, he won't be interested. It's fear. I'm nobody. I'm small. If, and those fears can become self-fulfilling. On the other end, on the other end, let me ask you a question. What would it be like to be confident on a regular basis that God is with you and for you and that God has your best interests at heart? What would it feel like on an ongoing basis to have a settled confidence in God as your heavenly father. Wouldn't that feel good? Wouldn't that feel a little better? That's what I want for you. That's what Jesus wants for you. And that's why he says over and over, don't be afraid, take courage, don't worry, don't fear, take courage, don't be troubled, don't be afraid. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of love.